In a culture that idolizes productivity, it can feel countercultural to make rest an essential part of our life and even our goals. And what our culture often misses or ignores, of course, is the connection between productivity and rest um, or rest and productivity and also creativity, creative thought and inspiration. When we prioritize rest, we cultivate creativity. We are able to maximize our productive hours. We live more joyfully as we ebb and flow from pouring in to pouring out. And of course, we also have a right to rest simply because it's a human need and we matter, not only as a means to any end goal. Writer and yoga nidra teacher Karen Brody writes, we take rest like a pill for productivity. Let us rest without an agenda. This can feel very difficult for all sorts of reasons, which we are going to explore today. Um, but that includes, that whole long list includes the cultural conditioning that we grow up with and the story that our worth is tied to our level of productivity. Finally, one other little thought here um, to get started, author and scholar Alex Sujung Kim Pang writes in his book, Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. It's a book I recommend from 2018. Um, he writes, discoveries in sleep research, psychology, neuroscience, organizational behavior, sports medicine, sociology, and other fields have given us a wealth of insight into the unsung but critical role that rest plays in strengthening the brain, enhancing learning, enabling inspiration, and making innovation sustainable. And of course, if we want to simply live mind, body healthy, or live with any level of freedom, wholeness, and joy, then we have to have this conversation about rest and keep having it and keep practicing. So welcome. This is going to be a two-part conversation. I'm Krista, founder of alifeinprogress.ca and rebrandingmiddleage.com. I offer my work as a writer, grief and trauma-informed mind-body coach and joyful living educator. My work is for freedom seekers, truth tellers, and stubborn questioners, highly sensitive souls, slow movers, and non-hustlers, the anxious, grieving, weary, and healing, reforming people pleasers, perfectionists, performers, and peacekeepers, brave, messy, and curious humans ready to quiet the conditioning and noise to reclaim freedom, wholeness, and joy. Welcome, and I'm glad you're here. All right, so part one of this conversation, I spent a lot of time pondering and taking notes. I've written whole modules about rest and, you know, the science behind it and, and different ways to practice, etc. And it is an ongoing conversation and an essential one, as I said in the very beginning. Um, I remember, I think, you know, I'm not exactly sure of the exact timeline, but I'm just gonna guess somewhere late 30s, early 40s, I really started to own my right to rest. And having said that, it has been a journey. 
you know, I, I speak openly as always about this in my brave and beautiful community, um, how I still can notice lingering traces of shame or judgment when my body tells me loud and clear, Hey lady, we need to shut down here for a bit. We need to slow down. We need to breathe. We need space. Um, it's, I catch that at least, which is great, but it is shocking to me how deeply rooted these stories run. All right. So today I well actually over the two conversations this week and the next episode, I want to kind of walk through a bit of a why, what, and how around the conversation. Today, I'll, I'll stay in the why and part of the what, and then we'll carry on. Um, yeah, that's all. So I, I, circling back, I was going to share a little bit of the story that late 30s, early 40s, whenever that was, um, it, you know, that I would go, go, go morning to night, get into bed really late often. And, and then occasionally I would fall ill and I would get to cancel every obligation because I was ill. So I had a reason. And even if I had the flu or something, I was happy because I got to lay on the couch and rest. Often for me, that included reading for fun, for pleasure. Slowly, it dawned on me that, hey, what if I didn't need to be sick to rest? Light bulb moment, right? Um, it's funny looking back, but at the time, I really needed that light bulb moment. I needed to realize I don't have to be sick to rest. If I really want to lay on the couch and read, I get to do that. I get to build that into my life. Anyway, fast forward. I mentioned that I still notice some of these remnants. And beyond that, I would say that this is, you know, an ongoing tension. And I will talk more about this kind of like flesh it out a little bit. Um, but often we do have many competing needs, tensions, and desires, you know, can meet anyway. And also, you know, we have to pay the bills, right? And so, as always, I'm just practicing with you. And I've come a really long way, but also I'm able to, you know, I have been able to build a more sustainable pathway for myself for various reasons, but one of which is that my husband has a stable nine to five. And the truth is he needs more rest than he's getting. Um, and he's a teacher and he, he just, it's not a very soul honoring pace. Um, as much as some people who don't live with teachers or who are not teachers assume that teachers have all this free time. Um, you know, anyway, I just want, I'm prefacing the conversation, just acknowledging that things aren't quote unquote perfect for us any more than they are for anybody else. Um, but I do take it seriously and I keep practicing. All right. So in the why, 
I want to kind of briefly go over some reasons I quickly jotted down about why we don't rest. And of course, they're not pulled out of thin air. They're pulled out of lived experience as well as years of working with other women. Um, a tiny bit about why we need rest, the science, but I don't want to go too deep into that because honestly, you could go to PubMed and search yourself. You could read great books, etc. cetera. Um, I want to touch on our values and a fourth idea, which is how will I know I've lived well? To help frame or anchor this conversation, I'm giving you my handcrafting a life vision flowchart just as a reference, you know, you, you, it might serve you in other ways, but that is the way that I think about crafting my life vision. And, and that is sort of the flow that I'm going to walk through in this conversation as well. So you can get that on my website on this episode page. Um, so at the top, we see the why section and, and I guess I'll say that I like this because anytime we can kind of um, like anchor our conversation in something more solid, it helps us. Um, so, you know, so for instance, when I look at my core values and I tie my desire for rest to my core values, it makes so much more sense it's anchored in something and it's not like going to shift according to the, whatever the fad is right now or the latest, you know, shiny idea. So I talk about our values a lot and this is one more nudge to get clear on your core values. If you aren't already. Um, all right. So in that why section as well, you, if you're looking at the, flowchart, you will see that one of the questions in that part, that area, is how will I know I've lived well? So at the end of my days, how will I know I've lived well? And if we always start with the end in mind, it can really help us cut through a lot of the noise and distraction and anxiety and all that and get really clear on what is most important. So I'm gonna offer that up to you as you think about your rest needs, um, where you struggle, for instance, if you can tie, somehow tie the conversation around rest to how you'll know you've lived well at the end of your days, that might help you keep showing up. And hopefully that'll make sense as we go through the conversation. Um, so some of the reasons that I've observed that we don't rest, and there might be some overlap here, but first there's just a lot of noise, so much noise. Um, so there's guilt, shame, and judgment around resting. It's lazy, I'm lazy. Other people can't rest, so I shouldn't. Um, there's that conditioning, and it's different for each of us, but or a variation upon the same theme. So, um, you know, your family of origin, your cultural traditions and upbringing, your religious upbringing, like all of these can 
help inform our beliefs around rest and productivity. Um, there's comparison, you know, the inner critic gets yappy. Sometimes we're just really in hard seasons, extremely hard seasons, and rest is not on the radar. We have to rise to the challenge in front of us. Now that can also include the person who's juggling two jobs or three jobs just to put food on the table, right? It's not, there isn't always a lot of choice. Um, and I'm gonna come back to that in part two, but what I would just say here is it's not about all or nothing and it's helpful to look for even tiny, tiny ways that we can weave a little bit more rest into even the hardest season or circumstance. Another reason why we don't rest, we live in, if you're in the Western culture, and you may not be, you know, there are people um, who listen and connect with me um, from all sorts, you know, all over the world, different continents and cultures. But if you are in the Western culture, it tends to be a more and faster is better culture or hustle culture. Trauma is another reason. Trauma can make us feel unsafe in slowing down or resting. Um, really important to know this. I won't go deep into it. I've, I've referred to this idea probably several times. It's a big part of my journey these past years. But if you have navigated big T trauma or maybe multiple small T traumas, so to speak, you may notice that every time you try to still your body or your mind, there's this urgent distraction um, it's really difficult to even lay on the couch or be in quiet or anything like that. And just know that this can be a common, a common experience. And, um, and it can take years of just slow and gentle rebuilding that inner safety through practicing rest. Okay, um, fear of aging and the idea that time is short is, I believe, another factor. One that I, it's newer to my, you know, my way of thinking about this conversation, but it's coming up more and more. And I'm noticing that, you know, there are some real constraints that can come with a body that is aging, you know, physical limitations, maybe, or other things, even being a caretaker. Um, but I do think it's really important to uncover the stories that we have around aging to sift like and see is this true? Or is this a stereotype? Um, is is this true or is it just something that I picked up somewhere and never paused to question or get curious about? So inside that little conversation of, and fear of aging or that idea of time is short, got to you know, do all these things right now. One thing I want to offer or offer up for consideration is that 
you know, we can become more and more creative. We don't have, there isn't a limit on, a time limit on joy and creativity. And we'll, you know, yeah, I'm just going to say that. Um, so life shifts, our bodies shifts, shift, um, our capacities shift. And that does not automatically mean that we can't continue growing as humans, expanding in creativity, etc., cetera, um, throughout every season. Okay, there are lots of competing tensions and desires. So that could include, you know, like for instance, right now, I want to write my book. I'm writing, I am writing it. And also I will not sacrifice my mind, body, um, health in order to write a book. And that's something that there can be some tension and that I need to continually kind of check in with and um, maybe adjust slightly. But, um, you know, you may have that where you have maybe a desire to rest more or have some space in your life for something, you know, for hiking or something. And also you want to continue growing your business or, and also you want to come alongside and support your kids and they're in all these activities that are very time consuming, energy consuming, you know, so it's not a right or wrong conversation. It's just about truth telling. Another reason why we don't rest that you may recognize is that we don't really trust ourselves. Um, and this is a large conversation. And the only po point I want to make in this moment is that one of the stories is like something like, if I rest, I'll, I might never get up again. It is reminiscent of the same a conversation about self-compassion. If I am compassionate towards myself, I might never, you know, take action or I might never grow beyond where I am right now or heal or whatever the story is. I don't buy it. I don't at all believe it's true. And in fact, I believe that it's the opposite. The more that we practice self-trust, the more that we are able to show up fully to our lives and get the things done that truly matter to us. Um, we might have a real limited understanding of rest. So we might think that oh, it just means naps. You know, we might... Yeah, and a broader conversation, which I hope to bring in the second section, the what section, will probably help. We might have too many shiny ideas with a lack of focus or we feel scattered. Um, we might be avoiding because we feel really unfocused and scattered and there's too, too much noise and too many ideas and blah, blah, blah we might instead of void and like scroll Facebook mindlessly and stuff like that. You may think that there's only one right path. This is probably not a conscious belief. It's probably something that you need to kind of just start listening and noticing. Um, but often we do believe like there's one right way to be human and it looks like this. And if you're not being doing sounding like that exact 
thing, then you must be doing it wrong. And of course, there are a million ways to be human and to build a brave and beautiful life. Um, two more things. If you live, like so many of us do in my community, with an all or nothing mindset. Actually, I do not live with an all or nothing mindset anymore. I need to correct that. Um, I've worked on that for years, but it is very common in my community and, you know, with the women that I work with. So an all or nothing mindset will really pull you out of rest and shut down creative possibility. So for instance, maybe you have 20 minutes that you could use for rest, but you decide that, well, 20 minutes isn't enough. Why bother? That would be an example of how that all or nothing mindset is keeping you from the rest you need. Finally, um, you may have a limited understanding of the creative process and or your unique creative process. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to go too much into this or not, but in um, I'm just going to turn here. Let's see. Page 47 of the book on rest that I mentioned. Um, okay, so in a model described by English psychologist Graham Wallace in his 1926 book, The Art of Thought, um, he, there's this, we learn about this four-stage process of creative breakthroughs and moments of insight. So I'm not going to share more, but it is, it's really interesting. Um, and it really spoke to me and helped me. And I'll share a little bit about that right now. So this four-step process, you know, it just kind of briefly outlines like what happens when we're learning something and kind of gathering information and so forth. And so in my life, one of the ways that this shows up is, and then sort of that, like where I had a lot of judgment and I thought I labeled my process as procrastination. And it turns out, actually, I was wrong. So for instance, when I'm creating something, including, you know, sometimes I put hours like I did for these episodes about rest, I, I'm thinking and I'm connecting dots and I'm sifting and I'm trying to figure out, well, what, what do I want to say about this huge conversation and why and blah, blah, blah. Or if I'm writing a module for my membership community, I put in a lot of time and thought. And what happened? So I gather information like rough notes, brain dump, etc. It's kind of messy and and stuff. And often, then I kind of walk away, and I might, I might, you know, think of a quote that I remember and I want to go hunt it down, or I listen to a podcast, or I kind of go about my life. And what's happening, that process that I referred to, um, this would be a stage of incubation and illumination. For me, I tend to think of it as a time of integration. It's where I have, I have all this information, all this knowledge, all this experience. And now internally, there's something going on where you know, I'm connecting dots, I'm filtering, I'm scaffolding, like all this stuff is going on until all of a sudden I'm like, ah, okay, I know what it is that I want to say. And I sit down and hammer it out. And, you know, so years ago, I would 
judge that. Uh, and I would think something was wrong and something, and I needed to fix this and all of that. And it was such a refreshing take when I, I don't know if it started before this or with this book in 2018, but when I read that, it really felt affirming and helped me relax and understand, oh my gosh, that's what's going on. And I just recognized that is part of my process. So yeah, it might take time. It might be slower than some people. Like, honestly, who cares? Because it's my process. Um, but anyway, that understanding of what happens when we walk away from the laptop is, is really important to the conversation around rest. Okay, so um, a little bit of the science then, I'm not, you know, just kind of spinning off. Um, let's see, so these, I, I don't know anymore what year these studies were anything, because um, I wrote this in 2021, and I didn't try to hunt down the sources anymore, but um, I'll just share this anyways. So we have a couple brain regions that are involved in creative intelligence or creative thought. And the default mode network is a group of brain regions that show higher levels of activity when we're awake, but not involved in any specific mental exercise. So, you know, it's that time where our mind can kind of step away from the problem solving or the work project or whatever to pause and reflect, and it's linked to well-being, creativity, and intelligence. One study on writers and physicists found that 30% of creative ideas originated while the participants were thinking about or doing something completely unrelated to their jobs. So for instance, those bursts of insight that you get while you're in the shower, or you, you know, you step away from your work and you head to the mountains for the day. And, and all of a sudden on the drive back, you get a download of, you know, of work ideas for your work or whatever. Um, research conducted at the University of Kansas, again, I don't have the year in front of me or anything, showed that three to four days unplugged in nature boosts creativity by 50%. Um, let's see, I just want to share a few little things maybe, um, that's on sleep, maybe not, maybe that's up, I'll see, I know I have some more references here, but, okay, so, um, okay, so, we, we often tie our worth to productivity. That is one issue, but we might also buy into the story that I have too much to do. I can't rest. And there is truth to, you know, there are some things that are on deadline and will have really serious implications if you don't get it in, et cetera, or pay the bill or whatever. And often, at least in my community, right, because I'm not saying that this is true for every human in every place of the, in the world, etc. But often, we can 
find ways to expand our current way of thinking and moving through the world. Um, so rest, in fact, increases productivity. It increases creative thought and output. It, it, it you know, it just restores us so that we have general joy and stamina for showing up to the people we love or the people in our circle of impact or the work we want to do. So there is so much evidence that rest is actually going to serve us in every area of our life. And, and so, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say there. Sorry, I'm feeling a little bit distracted. Um, yeah, okay. So, so again, the book Rest is great. Um, I'm going to share in this, in part two, I'm going to share the 10 commandments of rest. Um, I'm going to share lots of ideas about how to take action in ways that you may not automatically think of when you're trying to weave more rest into your life. Okay, so I'm going to move on a bit. So the what section, um, again, you have my handcrafting a life vision workshop, or sorry, worksheet if you want it, or PDF. And you might want to work through some of the ideas there. So it's just like have, knowing our core values and letting those be the primary filter we use when making decisions, like about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, who we hang out with, et cetera. In the what section, you'll see that you I recommend or I choose for myself to have a mantra for the year, which is just like a, a phrase. It could be a line of poetry. It could be a a thought, you know, an incomplete sentence, it could be a phrase, whatever, a lyric from song, it doesn't matter. But something that really compels you and or what I call mind, body, spirit, intention. So up to five words, three to five words that help describe who and how you choose to be in the world in this season. Um, and so in this season, can mean one year. And I think that's a good starting point thinking about in the next 12 months. So those can become filters, three types of filters that help you make decisions around rest and anything else in your life. But here, what I want to draw attention to in the what section is what season are you in? And what is your honest to goodness capacity in this season? There is no point in continuing unless we do some truth telling. Um, because, you know, and this is one of the issues I see in life visioning or anything similar. And that's why I have this flow chart at the ready, because what I observe that people do is they jump right over the why and the what into the how into the nitty gritty, like the habits and the the idea and, and the, the new book they read and the new research around whatever. 
And all of that is just more noise if we have no way to filter it and make sure that it serves us as a unique human in this body, in this life, in these circumstances, in this season. So for instance, if you just had a, a, a baby or you are a grandma and your first grandchild was just born and you were so excited and you want to go and spend as much time as possible with that little baby, that is going to inform, you know, the rest of your life. If you are working in a nine to five and you're often doing overtime and whatever, you know, that is an important consideration. If you're recovering from illness or you live with chronic illness and also you're turning 72 and it's, you know, you have to kind of adjust your expectations. That's going to inform the choices that you make. So what season are you in and what is your honest capacity in the season? So the next question would be what type or types of rest do you most need in this season? Um, and then a third question could be, what are the obstacles, the friction or the resistance? And this is very specific and current. What are the obstacles, friction, resistance that keep showing up in your life today and in the season? What are the things that are keeping you from rest? Now, like, I love this stuff. There's so many ways that we could go deeper and make this really, really practical um, and helpful. But the final thing I'm going to touch on here is that idea of what types of rest do you need in this season? So if you haven't heard of Dr. Sandra Dalton's TED Talk around seven types of rest, I recommend it. Um, I have some worksheets that you can get for free. Um, they have links in there to her TED Talk and to another article or two um, with examples of each of these types of rest. And then you can use the worksheets to think through what it means to you specifically in this season. I am going to read out the categories of rest. And then again, I'll just point you over to those worksheets. So they'll be in the show notes. And um, yeah, and I, you know, sometimes I'm surprised by how many people haven't yet encountered this amazing idea. So again, sometimes we have a really narrow idea of what rest means. Um, and this exercise of exploring these different types of rest has been really helpful for so many people that I know. All right, so I'm just going to flip there. And I have added an eighth category. Um, so first, the seven categories that Dr. Sandra Dalton shared um, physical rest, emotional rest, mental rest, social rest, sensory rest, spiritual rest, creative rest. And then I add in friendship with self. And that could include 
you know, there is an overlap because as we befriend ourselves, we're deepening self-trust, et cetera, letting, you know, um, turning towards our inner critic. And anyway, there are elements of all of these other forms of rest that can be part of that experience or that ongoing relationship. But I think it deserves some extra attention, some special attention. So I include it. All right. So yeah, I'm going to wrap up here for today. Um, I hope that you will come back, continue the conversation with me next week as I offer up some of the how ideas for implementing more rest into your life. Um, as a form of imperfect action this week, if you choose to do so, I recommend that you start paying more attention to the stories and beliefs that are preventing you from resting. If you hear them, I recommend just write it down, jot it down messily somewhere that you can refer back to. And after a couple weeks or a few weeks, what you'll probably notice is there's a recurring theme. There are, you know, often we have a couple root stories and they show up in all sorts of ways, like in different ways or different areas of our life but they often can kind of be traced back to, you know, these couple root stories. But anyway, just start paying attention. What are the stories that keep you from rest? If you try to lay down and Netflix, what, how do you feel? You know, do you feel guilt? Do you have these shoulds in your mind? Do you, you know, what happens? Just start noticing your own experience. You don't have to try to shift it just for now. Notice. I often say that self-awareness is the starting place for any type of positive change. Um, yeah. All right. So, and an invitation. So starting next week, um, starting February 19th through March 1st, there's a two-week window, you will be able to register for free to join me for a brand new workshop. It's going to be another joy workshop. I did one a few years ago. It's not going to be the same. Um, and even if it was, honestly, you know, it would still, I'm sure, be valuable. But you get to join me for free while it's live. So um, I offered this particular workshop free last time as well, because I just want to make it available to as many people as possible. Um, but you do need to join my email list or else you won't get the links. So you have to join my email list on my email list. Everybody on my email list is going to be get the link to go register for free for the workshop. And then, you know, you'll get everything you need to prepare for that workshop and show up live. And the workshop will not be free after it, the recording is on my website. There will be a fee. So it's only free for this limited time. And you'll have a limited time to watch the replay after. So, you know, you don't have to join me live, but you do have to register during that special period, February 19th to March 1st. Um, if you are interested in expanding your capacity for joy, in changing or, or building your relationship with joy, and just starting to recognize, like, what does this mean for me? What does it even feel like in my body, in my life? 
All right. Um, okay, until next time, make peace with messiness to make space for joy.